Welcome to In The Zone. Before we get into it, if you like what you're hearing, please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, YouTube, or SoundCloud. Give us five stars and give me your best takes in the comments. If you didn't catch last week's show, we're switching to a new format for the NBA playoffs called Me Against the World. It's just me against the world, baby. Whoever the best guest ends up being will lock that person in as my debate partner for the entire NBA Finals. So let's get right to it. This week, former NBA player Jim Jackson. All right, what's up, man? Welcome what to up, the Chris? zone. Thank my you for having boy, me. Jim I appreciate Jackson, it. my Ohio. It's an Ohio oh, thing. Oh, boy, we repping. That's right. Ohio <laughs> thing. All right, let's get it started. Right. Look, last night, the Rockets bounced the thunder out of the playoffs. Russell Westbrook struggled badly again in the fourth quarter. Uh-huh. But I think critics are unfairly hammering him. <laughs> Here's what our own Colin Cowherd had to say. This is what's happened in Russell Westbrook's world. Excuse after excuse after excuse. By the way, if Oklahoma City's so bad, why do they always lead going into the fourth? <laughs> All right, you heard it. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah. How much blame does Westbrook deserve for this series loss? Well, Chris, you covered it long enough. He has to take some blame. I mean, he's yeah, the one t- taking the shots, or if he turns the basketball over because he's trying to do too much, that's that's on him. But also, a lot of it has to do with the makeup of the team, um, not really having the quality shooters. Now, again, these are professionals. They know yeah. how to play, but are they built for what he needs them to do in regards to catch and shoot when he's dribble penetrating? Can they? Do they have another player? that can make plays for him to make it easier. Colin talked about Michael Jordan and LeBron, but they also had complimentary players that made it a lot easier for them to ease into the fourth quarter and not going, you know, all 100% the whole time. Jordan wasn't winning it until Pippen came into his own. That's right. And and Phil Jackson and Phil Jackson. Jackson. LeBron didn't win it until he went to Miami and obviously had plenty of help there. And he's got plenty of help in Cleveland. Right. Now, look, like you said, Westbrook's got to be blamed. Mm -hmm. I think in the fourth quarter – it wasn't so much physical fatigue as it was mental anguish that yeah. we about to lose yeah. and it's about uh-huh. to be over. And frustration with his teammates because every time he went out of the game, the lead just crumbled. That's I right. mean, they were plus 15 with him in the series over all five mm-hmm. games. Minus 58 without him. So, so, who, so who else is to blame with that then? I think ultimately the most blame I think goes to the players. Right. The, the supporting cast. Right. I mean he wasn't, you know, he had his problems. I think he got, tried to play outside of himself, tried to do too much. But, but he, here's the thing, Chris. Who on that on the supporting cast is really, besides maybe Oladipo, you and could he say shot 34%. And he shot 34%. You could say I trust you in the fourth quarter. You see what I'm saying? So yes, yeah. oh no second but they're put in a position where that's not who they are. They're complimentary for a reason. They need yeah. another one or two players to help them out, and they don't have it. Well, this is the question with Russ right. to me. Does he get does he play is he Al Allen Iverson? Remember, Iverson didn't go further far in the playoffs other than that one year to the finals. Mm-hmm. And then AI didn't get frustrated with the losing. He always wanted to stay in Philly, whether we win it yeah. or not. Do you think Russell eventually gets tired of this and wants out or it forces them to bring in other players or he's just cool, you know, the rest of his career there dominating individually? Well, based on his decision to stay and why he stayed, I think he's cool where he's at. If 
the organization is going to make the right moves to bring the people in that's going to. They got to add some shooters. Yes, I would do. add shooters, bring in uh, and run Mike D'Antoni's offense. I would bring Seriously. and I'll play with one post player. Yeah, I would play I'll, with one with to keep to keep it open. Yep, yep. That's what I would do. It's on you. All right, let's see. So we're going to stay with this topic um, of the two leading MVP candidates. Chris, you voted for Russell as your MVP, but if you had to start a team today, who would you choose, Westbrook? That's a tough one because I I did choose Westbrook for MVP, and I'm fine with that. But honestly, if I had to start a team, I'd take Harden. Why? I think think he's easier. First of all, he's more versatile. I think he can play at different paces. That's one of Russell's weaknesses is that he's always 120 miles an hour. And late in games in the fourth quarter, when I think you need to play with a little more pace and and don't take such quick shots – he doesn't really understand that, at least not yet. Harden, I think, does. I, he's a better three-point shooter. Neither one of them plays defense. Harden's slightly more efficient throughout his career. And he's shown, remember when he was on OKC, he came off the bench. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He played second or third fiddle to Russ and KD. So I think if you add better players, he would be more apt to get along with them as far as on the court and chemistry than Russell is. I'm going to say, I'm going to go the opposite. And I'm going to uh. say this. I got an ego, and I say that if I'm a, if I'm an owner, I'm gonna get the right coach, the right players. I'm gonna be the voice of reason for Russ to get in his head of how to play the game. You know they've been telling you that for but like it don't ten matter. years. But, but here's but here's the thing: Scotty Brooks, who I love to death, yeah. wasn't disciplined enough. Yeah. Billy Diamond is not disciplined enough. So they allow Russ to do whatever. At the end of the day, players want to be taught. Players want to be shown how to win and be successful. You show him that, I believe Russ turns the corner, and now he's still going to give you some headaches because yeah, that's yeah, just who he is. Yeah. But it, I played with AI. It was the same thing. Once he understood what Larry was really talking about, his whole attitude changed. Okay, he always was going to play hard, but playing the right way, like Larry Brown used to say, yeah, 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 yeah. it took AI a few years to really understand that. And once he saw the success and how to play the right way, he changed how under Larry Brown. He changed that a lot. Okay, and and that's my thinking behind it. So okay, mm-hmm. so you gonna ch- now? What if yeah. you put Russell in D'Antoni's system? What do you think he would have done this year? Like switch him and Harden. What do you think happens? It's hard to say, but I think you'd have did the same thing. You as Harden did. Yeah, you got now. Harden plays at a different pace. I think with Mike, he could teach. Russ, how to bring that down a notch in order to go, win the goal, go, go back. Either, oh, wait, but he's, but he's <laughs> but and he's non-confrontational. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think Russ would have trusted his teammates a lot more. It's tough. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Uh-huh. You can't go wrong with either. Obviously. All right, let's move on to the Warriors. Mm-hmm. All right, in the last game, Steph Curry, game four against Portland, closed them out, scored thirty-seven points to lead the Warriors to a dominant performance in their victory over Portland. <laughs> Ben Steph Curry with the shot. Ben cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Did Steph show that he's in the same class as LeBron? What class? Math class? <laughs> well, I mean, what uh, what class? not in the same Come class? On, Come on. Stop it. You, he got to build up equity over 10-plus years. Okay. We, when we're talking about comparing him. Now, you made a great point yesterday when we were talking about the impact on the game. Yes. His impact on the is, game. Is as great as LeBron's? It, yes, because internationally, you think about it, you, most kids can't grow up and say, I want to be 6'8", 250, yeah. jump out the gym, and run and dunk. But at, at six feet, 6'1", they can say, I can be like Steph. You know, you go to yeah. China, uh, that's why they loved AI probably more so than Yao Ming is because he looked like them in right. regards to size. Yep, so yep. 
Steph, I think, is trending towards, you know, kind of setting the tone for what guards are going to be in the future. Mm. And two MVPs, a championship, yes, but what LeBron has been able to do, and we talked about this yesterday, you can't put Steph on that 2007 Cleveland team and they get to the final. I don't care if they're in the East or not. You can put LeBron in these different situations and he's able to elevate the play that like no other player that we've seen. So I don't think Steph is in that kind of class. He's in a class totally different than that. I agree with that. Like Steph's not nearly the all-around player LeBron right. is defensively. Like you said, you can't you could put LeBron on any team. They're at least making the playoffs. And most teams gonna be contenders. Right. Not true with Steph. But when I talk about impact, not only off the court, but I'm talking about on the court. Mm -hmm. Like Steph, he does it differently. It's because of his shooting. Like LeBron impacts the game on the offensive end because of his size and his ability to get into the lane Mm -hmm. and pass the ball. So he opens things up for teammates. I think Steph does the same thing differently. His shooting range extends the defense so much, and then obviously he can go by you that it opens up things for his teammates in the same way. So in that regard, now I agree, historically he's not close to LeBron. LeBron, I think, is the second best player ever Right. All right, behind Jordan. So Steph's not in that class. But what he did last year and what he did this year without Durant, when they went on that 13-game win streak – I think if he had four or five more years like that, still not equal to LeBron, mm-hmm. but I think he starts becoming an all-time great class of player. Now, some of it's the system, you know? Yeah. He's in a perfect situation, but he is impacting the game tremendously when KD's not there. When KD's there, he steps back a little. Well, he, Remember Steve Kerr said, I want Steph to dominate the ball more. And I was telling people, he wasn't saying that he wanted him to shoot more. He wanted him, because of what you just said, spreading the court, 25 feet now. The defense has to honor it. Now he's making plays. When Steph is doing that, now it's so hard. to. How, how do you guard the pick and roll? Yeah. How do you guard uh, screen with down screens with him coming off and then dribbling right into the middle? It's hard to guard him when yep. he's like that. So he's so dominant from the fact that you got to pay attention to him. He opens up so many opportunities for his teammates. All right, uh, speaking of Steph, Chris, who do you think is Golden State's most valuable player, Steph or Kevin? (laughs) We could throw in Draymond too, right? All right, here's the deal. Okay. KD was their best player this year when he was healthy. I mean, led him in blocks, led him in rebounds, almost led him in scoring a couple tenths of a point behind Steph. But I got to be honest, I think Steph's the MVP for what you just said. Mm -hmm. I mean – KD, as great as he is offensively, he doesn't extend the defense and make it do things it doesn't want to like Steph does. And so I think Steph, they have to play through Steph. Like you said, handle the ball Mm -hmm. more. He doesn't have to take the most shots, although actually he should take the most shots. He should. And KD can get you 25 to 30 points on a lot fewer shots. Like 15 shots. Yeah, like 15 shots. He was taking fewer shots than Clay. Yeah. When you look at the numbers, this is incredible. They're plus – they were 16 points better with, with Steph, Steph Curry on yeah. the floor. That means Clay, Draymond, and Durant were sometimes on the floor without Steph, and they still weren't nearly as good as mm-hmm. when he's on the floor. With Draymond on the floor, they were like almost 11 points better. With KD on the floor, eight points better than with him off the floor. So the numbers say even in a year where a lot of us thought Steph took a step back – he still was the most dominant. Yeah, player. and he still averaged 20. I mean, when, when KD was on the court, 
what was it, 24 points he averaged with they, KD yeah, when KD yeah, played. Yeah. So here's my thing. I, I'm going to throw a little wrench in it. I'm going to say Draymond is their most valuable really? player. Yeah. Because of wow. everything he does. And no doubt that Kevin and Steph are the best players. Yeah. But most valuable, you're talking about a guy averaging four block shots, okay, at his size yeah, 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 and what yeah. he does. He covers up for, let's say, Steph. See, everybody knows Steph is not the best defensive player. So Draymond understands that. So a lot of his blocks come off the weak side after he's recovering to help Steph or Clay. He's so intelligent and smart in how he plays the game, setting guys up, that without Draymond, you take Draymond off of that team, I don't know if they're as successful because he gives them the intelligence, he gives them the playmaking, mm. but he gives them that edge on the court that they wouldn't have. So if they take Draymond off, they're worse than if they took Steph off. Oh, yeah, and they're worse if they take it, than taking KD out. Because he's an equalizer. He can guard your three. He can guard your yeah. four. He can guard he can your guard five. All, all five. He can, he can sit there. He can make plays for you. He's going to rebound. He's going to be a coach on the floor. That's so valuable, and a lot of that stuff doesn't show up in the stat sheet. But you you eliminate Draymond out of that lineup. We haven't seen that yet. We've seen so, Steph out. So last two years, should Steph have been the MVP? Yeah, no. Steph should have <laughs> been the MVP of the league, no doubt. But for me, for the team, mm. It's it's a to He's me nice, it's it, it, I mean it's it's it, it's it's so undervalued until you lose it. Now he now see what I'm saying right, until you, you lose this. it. If they if David Lee hadn't gotten hurt because remember that's what put Draymond in the starting lineup. Do you think they like was the difference putting Draymond in the starting lineup or was it Steve Kerr in his system because they were good under Mark Jackson? It was putting Draymond in the starting lineup. So if Mark Jackson had been coach and they put Draymond in the starting lineup, which they would have because they, they would have hurt. They would have. You think they would have had basically had the same success? Oh, yeah. Because Draymond, I covered him in college. I said, I watched him grow. I said, that's a guy I, I take on my team any day of the week because he does so many of the little things that you don't see. As a basketball yeah. player, you see it. You take it for granted you can see it until it's not State, there. Yeah. See, because, because we haven't had, luckily for Golden State, they haven't had the misfortune of not playing a lot of games without him. Mm -hmm. So they don't know how much they miss him until he's gone. Yeah. See, and that's the luxury of having him on the court because he's All been right. there. All right, All right. Draymond yeah. better than Stephen. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> that's how we do it I, in the zone. I, I, I didn't say that. <laughs> All right, let's go to another series. All right. All right. The is, there another ser is there another yeah, series know, out there? Right? <laughs> Rajon Rondo <laughs> for Chicago is trying to come back from injury to play in game six against Boston. The Bulls have not looked the same without Rondo. Obviously lost their two games. But his contract's only partially guaranteed uh -huh. for next season. He gets $3 million guaranteed. It's a $14 million that they owe him. Should he play through this injury to help out the Bulls or protect himself? Uh, great question. It's funny, too, because the question should be, is it more valuable for him to sit out, they lose, and they understand his value even more mm. than to come back? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But as a player, he wants to play. Now, if it was a lower extremity where he could cause further injury, I would say don't even try it. Back, ankle, yeah. knee. I mean, if it was really – but being on the hand, it's ways you can protect He's just it. playing through pain. He's right? just playing through pain. But it's his right hand. So it's his predominantly shoot. Yep. shoot. Well, we ain't going to worry about the shooting <laughs> part of it. But the ball handling and passing. Can he still play defense the same way yep. with that hand? So if he feels comfortable as a player and he's not going to cause any more damage, why not? Why not figure out ways to put him in the game? Because, Chris, at the beginning of the year, it was 
Rondo, Jimmy Butler, Dwayne. Yeah. We kind of get in this big three. Then the stuff kind of happened in the middle with the the veterans yeah. and the talk. And it, then you bench Rondo. Is he you know messing up the locker room? Then all of a sudden you get to the play. How the narrative changed from oh, here yeah. to here totally. to now, they can't win it without Rondo. So his value is being, I think, uh, it was understated before. Yeah. But now in this particular series against this team, I don't know if his value is the same against Washington as well, it is against Boston. That's to your point. You, you know what of, I mean? Does he just sit back and say, look, I showed them they need me, and I showed other teams that I still am valuable in this yeah. league? Because, you know, the narrative was that he can't shoot threes, so he's like a dinosaur. You know, even in Sacramento, he led the league in assists. Yep. Nobody really wanted him as a free agent. Now, see, this is a, to me is about changing his narrative. Now yeah. I think as a free agent, if that's what he becomes, teams will want him. They see he's a winner. We know he's a winner from right. the past. But they'll also see that he's a leader. When he challenged Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade, yeah. that said a lot about him. Now I'm not as afraid to bring him into my locker room with some younger players because all the reports are he was great in the locker room with the Bulls' younger players. And he changed it so – does that make sense for him? Now, is it, just, back. is it just Chicago? You see what I'm saying? You're talking about – Could he do it elsewhere? Yeah, who else is out there that's on the edge of taking that next step where Rondo makes a fit as a starter that they don't already have one? Yeah. See, that's the question. You know that Chris is all about the number. Yeah. He can go to a team that's younger, but is his value the same because now Chicago is competing to get to the second round – if he was still playing compared to a team that's just trying to get into the playoffs. Let me ask you, would you want him in Minnesota? Yeah. Because I know Tom Thibodeau wants veterans. Oh, yeah, and I think he'll respect Tom. You see what I'm yeah. saying? I he think worked he, with him, obviously, in Chicago exactly, and, uh, Boston. In Boston, so I think he'll respect him. He's a guy – now, the, the problem still exists, though. With Minnesota, you still need a point guard that can catch and shoot. Because yeah. you got those dynamic right. players they down got low and on the wing. I mean, uh, what's his name? Rubio. Rubio, and he can't. So, so at at one point with Minnesota, you gotta have a shooter out there on the court with those guys to relieve some of that pressure. At some point. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think he should play because again, this is helping his image, mm -hmm. showing he's tough, showing he's a team first guy, especially with your contract yeah. on the line. So, but you know, it's interesting. We'll see. All right. Uh, let's see. After getting swept by the Cavs in the opening round, Paul George was asked if he wants to stay with the Pacers. Hmm. <laughs> he had this to say. With free agency pending for you, do you want to stay in Indiana? And how do you proceed at this point? Does the All-NBA situation uh, have an, an – will that have an impact on what you do? I, I ain't even in, at that point yet. Bob, uh, next question. <laughs> Look, I, I think he wants to move on. I think we all feel the same way. The question is what? What's the best fit for him? Where should he go? Yeah, what do you think? What I would think? like to see – look, er everybody's talking the Lakers, all right? All this right. is my problem if I'm Paul George and I'm looking at the Lakers. Yeah, I know it's L.A. It's the glamour franchise. It's where I'm from. Right. But am I going there to be on a mediocre team for the meat of my prime? Yeah. Because if you're in the West and you're not making the playoffs, you're not making an all-star team. It's already tough enough with all the forwards, mm -hmm. they, all the players they have in the West. So I think he needs to stay East. You could look at Boston. I think, though, Miami, best Miami. fit. Oh, that's, that's – Best yeah. fit. You, you need to go somewhere where they know how to win. Yep. You know, where there's a culture. I mean, the Clippers are a case in point. 
of the importance of knowing how to win. And I know Doc's won a championship, but he has not been able to put that culture with, with the Clippers. Yeah. You look, there's only a handful of teams that tend to win championships, and they got a culture. And obviously you got Pat Riley there. You got – look at when he was with Indiana when they were a great team. They had a shot blocker, Roy Hibbert. Hibbert. Now you got Hassan Whiteside, who's better than Roy Hibbert. You had a good point guard, George Hill, Goran Dragic, not the defender that Hill was, but certainly a better, probably a better offensive mm-hmm. player and a playmaker. You got some role players. Now they might have to trade some of them if they want to. Like I trade for him this year yeah. rather than wait, wait for him to yeah. become a free agent. You got Justice Winslow, Tyler Johnson. You know, you got guys you could Robert's trade for. Yeah, yeah, Wayne Ellington. Yeah. Um, I would try to keep waiters. And if I put Paul George on that team with a championship coach and their exposure, I think I'm challenging every – I'm not going to say they're better than Cleveland, but I think they're right there close to Cleveland and certainly probably better than anybody else in the East. Well, I, I played in Miami, and I, I don't understand what the mantra is in the mindset of Pat Riley. When you come here, like De'Aaron Waiter said, you're going to be in the best shape of your life. We'll teach you how to win. They taught yeah. LeBron how to win. Yep, yep. Okay? Now, I'm going to back up, too. Paul George answers the question like he's not thinking about it. Bro, we under contract. We know in our last year of our deal, we know exactly. we got to renegotiate the deal or we going somewhere else. Yep. Paul George understands that coming into this year is probably a make or break season for him if he stays in Indiana. He's been thinking. As a player, you've been thinking yeah. about it. There's no way you can, you can avoid that thought. Now, whether he chooses to push the button and force him to make a trade, that's a whole different subject. But the point you made in the prime, the peak years of his basketball career, yeah. you don't want to be stuck. Okay, it sounds great to be the franchise guy of the Lakers, but if you're still only winning 30 games <laughs> exactly. in the West and not getting an advance, because ultimately he wants to be viewed upon like LeBron, Steph, yep. KD, all these guys who are winning, and the only way you do that is by – Winning. So what's the bet? What you think is the I, best place? I didn't for? even think about the Miami deal until you said it, and it makes a lot of sense. One, you stay in the East. Two, you with an organization that's so professional and teaches you how to be a professional and win. And he's going to surround Pat is with the right tools yeah. to give you an opportunity. And they I, I like that. Great and they already got great players. I yeah. like that. They were a game away. Yep. From making to the playoffs, so I like yep. that. All right, cool. Chris, All right. I, I, see, I, see, okay. I like that. That's why you get paid the big bucks. Alright, look. Last night, the Clippers fell behind 2-3 in their series against mm-hmm. the Jazz. With Blake Griffin injured yet again and out for the rest of the playoffs, this looks like another lost season for the Clippers. Jim, is it smart for Blake and the Clippers to part ways? Okay, let's, let's start with Blake. If he wants to get a max deal based on his injury history, based on past performances, he's in control right now. This may be his only t- chance to get another max deal. Okay? okay? Let's say he plays it out, gets hurt again. After this year, could he get a max deal? If he opts out this year, goes and get a max deal, now he's set. Yeah, he's probably going to opt out. But you see what I'm saying? Yeah. The From, question is, does he stay with the Le- the Clippers I, or does he look to I, go I, elsewhere? I, I think they got to make a move. I said it, I said they were two years removed from being a team who we all thought they were going to yeah. be. They're exciting. L.A. loves the alley-oops. But when you can't make it through a first or second round, when you have the expectations, you have the talent, and that falls back on to management. Yeah. Team, how do you build out your team? Chris Paul is doing everything he can. I mean, last night he was oh, – what yeah. is serious, man. Just 
and you know what's getting lost is his play yeah. in all the playoffs. Chris Paul is kind of going to being pushed to the back burner yeah. in the conversation. But what he's able to do with that team in those big moments is incredible. But it's all for naught because they're going to be out of this against a team, against this Utah team who's out executing them, yep. has more weapons, and feels more confident than the Clips. So yeah. if I'm Blake, I'm exercising you, you my got, option. It's, it's not a lot of great teams with cap room. I know. But you got you force something. Minnesota, you know what? You, Philadelphia. You, you force the Clippers, I think, either to opt out, sign and trade, something – in order for you to take control of the situation. Now, do you want to play in the East or do you want to play in the West? It's a big question. I mean, it's better for him to go East. Oh, big time. You know, obviously, it's not as many great players over there. You can have a chance to – look, he may just, he just He just may need a new start mentally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, How would I he think – in Boston I with, think, with, with, with Horford, though? Look, I would do it. I mean, he's much better than Al Horford. Yeah, if I had yeah. to trade – I mean, it would be tough to trade Al Horford with that contract now. But you could go small – it's not a great fit because you're not going to spread the floor. Yeah. Because you got Horford, you got Blake, you're not spreading the floor at mm-hmm. all. Um, Washington, I wouldn't I wouldn't give up Bill and Otto Porter no. for him. Because you want to give that, up Otto? I would give up Otto without giving yeah, up yeah, Bill. Yeah, but you got to give I up Bill. I got to keep Bill. Yeah, you got to keep you know, Bill. Because for now, that's more valuable, the yeah. three-point shoot. Yeah. But if I'm the Clippers, I am looking to move on. Yeah. Now, I'm either signing Blake with the intention of trading him down the line. Yeah. Or I'm gonna talk to him about a sign and trade, yeah. but you know, as a, I think it'd be hard to go to Blake and be like, "Look, we would like to trade you for Paul George." <laughs> so, <laughs> would you want to go to Indiana? Because that, if I'm the Clippers, that's who I'm focused Folks on. Are, yeah, Paul George. Paul George. Because we know he wants to go to L.A. Clippers were his favorite team growing up. Yeah. But again, he does he want to go to the Lakers and be mediocre, maybe miss out on All Star games, or go to the Clippers and now all of a sudden you're at least elite. I don't know if you can win championships or not, but you're in that class now, and you're making all-star teams. You're getting the pub that you want. Yeah. I think if I'm the Doc Rivers or the, the Clippers brass, I'm going to Larry Bird and trying to trade Blake Griffin ASAP. for Paul George. And maybe a three-team deal because they got Miles Turner. Maybe they thinking we don't need Blake. But maybe you send Blake somewhere else mm-hmm. and then other players go to Indiana. But that's what I'm focused on if I'm the Clippers. Yeah, and you have to – massage that relationship with Blake because ultimately with he's that player agree. option, he's got to agree. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you got to position it where it's the best for both worlds. Yeah. And gotta have him give you some options as well and see if it works out. Because I, I just think Blake, not Blake, Blake is in, invested in LA. He wants to stay. You see yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. So it's much more, so that's going to be so a harder might be decision. signing him and then trading him at the deadline yeah. or something like that, which I mean, might be cold-blooded. But, but, yo. but, you know, his agents, you know, they understand the business. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they know all the scenarios. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, how quickly this thing evolves once this series is over. Now, again, the Clippers could go to Utah and win yeah. and bring it back yeah. home. Yeah. So we're prematurely talking about this, but but you know they going out in the next on, round. They'd be lucky Bye. to get a game. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's your it's on you. Is it your question? All right, Chris. The Jazz have to address some personal some personnel questions themselves. Gordon Hayward been tremendous for Utah, twenty seven points last night, but he can opt out at the end of the season. Chris, should Gordon Hayward stay with the Jazz or go somewhere else? Look, largely to me, this is a lifestyle decision. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. He's from Indiana. I don't know how much he likes Utah. But to me, I'd rather live in Boston. And I think most players would rather live in Boston than Utah. You think? 
I mean, <laughs> you you you, you know you are a former player, so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but I would rather go to Boston. I'm with you. <laughs> you you I'm would? With you. All right, all right. I've heard good things about Utah, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, I think, you know, his former college coach, Brad Stevens, yeah. from Butler is there. They only – I'm not going to say they're a player away from beating Cleveland. But you get Gordon Hayward. Now you have two legitimate stars with Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good fit with Isaiah. Because when you watch their series, the Jazz right now, Hayward doesn't have to have the ball all the time at all. You know, he can play off the ball and still get his. Isaiah's going to have the ball most of the time. So I love it. I think that's where he should go. I hate to tell him leave Utah because yeah. I like what they build. Like, it's like tough to get players yeah. there. Yeah. But, again, you in the West. How far is this team going in the West? Yeah. You know, so you go to the East, LeBron's going to age at some point. I think he should go to Boston. I, I like that because of shots that Jay Crowder are getting, Marcus Smart, Bradley, basically are being created by, especially Crowder, by Isaiah. Yep. And you put that dynamic force in regards to how Gordon has evolved as a player. Think about when he came into the league, his body, yep. but more importantly, his mind, because he believes, Chris, that he can play as a top-tier player. Last night's game, Coming off the, you know, yeah, the food, food poisoning, poison. okay, he bounced back from maybe having a mediocre game two, I think it was, or yeah. when they first yeah, got back to Utah two. or whatever. But that shows his growth. Would he have been ready two, three years ago? No, for that big stage. But mm-hmm. now he's ready for it. He can shoot it. He passed it. People forget he's about 6'8". Yeah. Okay? And he has the guts and a short enough memory, which is important, yeah. to go out and play. So you hate for him to – leave Utah because they're building something really special there. But ultimately for him to be, I think, the player that he wants to be, to compete maybe for a championship a lot easier, and to be reunited with his old coach, it's hard to turn that down. I mean, it really is. And you're talking about lifestyle. I don't know Gordon, but being back east, closer to Indiana. And look, people may poo-poo this, but all-star games are important. Yeah, big right? time. They heard of that. <laughs> exactly. They heard of incentives. And just your legacy. And That's all. right. He made it this year probably largely because Blake Griffin got hurt. Yeah. Okay. Remember, Carl Anthony Towns is going to start making them. Mm-hmm. You know, you got all these other players, DeMarcus Cousins, all right. these other young players out there. In the East, not as many players, you know, vying for those all-star spots. So, I think he's better off in Boston. Bam. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, reports say that Warriors coach Steve Kerr may miss the remainder of the playoffs due to lingering complications from back surgery. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. He had this to say. Which the last few days have been difficult. You, you guys saw me at the end of game two. Uh, I was very uncomfortable. Um, you know, I was uncomfortable at practice the other day. And uh, with things getting uh, worse, I just made the decision I couldn't, couldn't coach. All right, Jim, how badly will Kerr's absence impact the Warriors' run to the NBA title? First, second round, I don't see it being an issue. Depending on who they play in the third, I mean, in the Western Conference Championship, that San Antonio makes a big difference. Going up against Pop, the adjustments you have to make in-game, game-to-game, play calling, the voice of reason, if you get to a championship – I used the example when Steph was going through kind of a shooting slump and they had the clip of yeah, yeah, Steve. And just, but his demeanor and how he spoke with Steph to get the message across, not to say that Mike Brown doesn't well, have a solid you, so message. Do you think Mike Brown but his, he it, can't do that? I, I don't think the 
the level of respect from this perspective of how they view Steve Kerr compared to how they see Mike Brown is different. Steve Kerr, from a disciplinarian perspective, still holds his main guys accountable. Can Mike Brown do that? And they still go out and play. You see what I'm saying? The messenger is so important as the message and how it's coming across. And you saw that this team take another jump when Steve Kerr became that messenger. And that's not taking anything away from Mark Jackson. But because of what he's accomplished in the past, championships, playing for Pop in San Antonio, being an executive in an organization before, you hear it a little bit differently. So these first two rounds, eh, no problem. Is this, is this enough to keep him out of the finals no, or, or, no. or away from winning the championship? If, if, it cost him a championship? If, if, well, the team is going to be who they're going to be. But again, this is what I say about coaching. During the regular season, you manage minutes, injuries, and egos. Mm-hmm. When you get to the playoffs, that's when the coaching really comes into play because you got to make on-the-fly decisions, yeah. in-game decisions, game-to-game preparation, how you manage the – all of that. That's why it's so important once you get into the playoffs that that guy on the bench that has that clipboard is in tune. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I think – Look, they were 39-4 and four without Steve Kerr last year under Luke During Walton. the regular season. I know season. it was regular season. But Mike Brown, I think Mike Brown is underrated, underappreciated. How? <laughs> How? Oh, you had him in Cleveland right, look, with LeBron coached in Cleveland. But, but <laughs> a young LeBron and hardly anything else. I don't okay. want to disrespect Mo Williams. And, and I like Mike. But don't you, get me wrong. But you know they okay. didn't have much else. We know he had success during the regular season, couldn't right. get him over the hump. But when he went to the Lakers, all right, he was there one year and five games. The the year he was there, he got them further in the playoffs. Now by a game, but then Phil yeah, Jackson that, did the true. year before. Phil Jackson's last year in L.A. They got swept by the Mavericks in the second round. Mike Brown's ne- first year in L.A. The next year, they at least took a game from Oklahoma no, City, City in the second round, right. and both of those teams went on to the finals. So I just think people, you know, don't appreciate Mike Brown's ability. Look. He was an assistant under Pop. Mm-hmm. He was now an assistant under Steve Kerr. And I think that, you know, his experience, you know, and he's probably learned some stuff from Kerr too. True. Just being there yeah. watching him. Um, and look, these players are so plugged in. Like you said, like they they are not going to – I don't think they'd let something like this hinder them. You know, and the problem with Mike Brown was his offense, we know. But you don't have to touch the offense. Well, that's true they ran it without Kerr yeah. under Luke Walton – they know how to run it, and Kerr will still be there, just like he was when he was injured when Luke was coaching. He'll still be able to talk to him. He's probably going to be talking to Mike Brown every day, mm-hmm. giving him strategy. Tell, you know what I mean? Yeah, Telling like he's doing with Luke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think because I think Mike Brown's a great replacement, mm-hmm. I don't think it's enough to stop him from winning the championship. Yeah, I'd rather have Mike Brown in that situation because he's been there. He's yep. been in the battles. He's been through championships before. He understands it. It's going to be interesting once we get into the the back and forth. Say it's a San Antonio. I don't, Memphis is still, you it's know, still right alive, there. So you yeah. can't just say automatic. Yeah. But just the dynamics of strategy in late game situations when you need it, how yeah, his voice is be being heard. That, yeah. that, that's going to be an interesting yeah. part. Yeah. All right. Last question. Right. What Joe you? Johnson, <laughs> turn back the hands of time this postseason. Hit a game winner against the Clippers in game one. Had another big shot late in the fourth last night. 35 Mm -hmm. years old. Jim, does Joe Johnson's play 
make you want to come out of retirement. What? All day long. I'm watching it last. I said, I can get to that spot right now. Now, nah, but keep in mind, Joe is 6'8". Yeah, and so yeah. that's it. So I played with Joe in Phoenix. And I remember Joe was worried about his contract yeah. you know, at the time. And I said, man, don't worry. I said, listen, let me tell you something. Now, I'm older. I said, if you play, you go get paid. Just keep doing what you're doing. And this is a year Steve got his first MVP. They could have re-signed Joe at the beginning of the year for like 55 minutes, but they, Phoenix chose not to. After the year, he went on to Atlanta. Yep. Got paid. And got in those situations where Joe has always been a good complimentary second player. In Atlanta, he got paid like he was the, the first player. Yep. But they had no choice. They had to pay somebody. Yep. So all the time, they were looking for Joe to be a number one. But that's not who he is. Joe is a really outstanding number two okay. guy. Now, with this Utah team, you put him in isolations. And give Quinn Snyder a lot of credit. He's putting Joe in situations where now he's running that 1-3 pick and roll mm -hmm. where they know they're going to switch. So he's isolating him in the middle of the floor. And I keep telling people, you forget Joe's 6'8", 250. Yeah. So he... It, it, it's a point guard got I, no chance. I, no chance. And even when he went up against DeAndre, he's able to put that weight and body on him to create enough space because he is 6'8". So I'm I'm watching the game last night and I'm loving it <laughs> because I know the challenges he went through later in his career in Atlanta, in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Yep, that yep. going through that, people I, thought he was done. Th thought he was Brooklyn. done. And yeah. now he's in, and even beginning of this Utah. See, you didn't hear a lot like yep. that. Quinn didn't know whether to start him to bring him off the bench. What was his role? And now to see him come through. Well, and you remember Cleveland wanted him badly. Yeah. Well, one, I forgot about Miami. Yeah. When he that's went right. down there and didn't, that's you know right. what I mean? That's so, right. Didn't pan out. Right. One of the reasons he didn't go to Cleveland was because he felt like he had a lot left. And he didn't want to just stand on the three point line yeah. and wait for passes for spot up jumpers. So, look, good for him. And y'all heard it, GMs. Jim Jackson back on the market. A nice 10 days. Give me a, I'm, I'm, now, listen, my defense may not be there right now. You got the cover up for me. But I can knock down a couple threes for you. All right, All right brother. Thank I appreciate you for joining it, us in the zone. You got All right. it. And if you don't know, now you know. That's it for this week's show. Please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Give us five stars and leave a nice comment. Make sure you also catch me live on my nationally syndicated radio show along with my co-host Brian No on Fox Sports Radio every Saturday, 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern. We'll be reacting to live games and covering all of the major stories in sports. See you next week. Peace. I'm in my zone.